Welcome everyone to a bonus round of Retro Encounter. I'm the host, Josh Curry. With me is a wonderful cast, returning, uh, Davey Tesnovich. Feeling frisky. For the first pond, uh, for the first time from across the pond, Robert Fenner. Hello. And the wonderful person that reviewed the game that we're going to talk about, Derek Keemsbergen. Hello, how's it going? So the game we actually are going to talk about is... Trails, second chapter. Trails in the Sky, second chapter. Everybody's been super excited about it. Derek went so far as to say Trails in the Sky approaches the pinnacle of traditional JRPG design. So I'm excited to hear everybody's thoughts on it. Hmm. Why don't we start with you, Derek, since you, you did write the review. Yeah, uh, I mean, where do you want me to start? I think this is a, a game that's obviously made for people who enjoyed the first. Um, there's nothing about Trails in the Sky, second chapter, that... I think is going to sway people who don't like the first. And I think that may apply to you, Josh. Yeah. Um, I think it's very rigidly set in the same kind of traditional sort of uh, JRPG trappings. Um, it doesn't do anything differently. It just continues a story that laid the groundwork for something that really climaxes into something special in the second episode. Um, I, I think your story investment is going to be the biggest reason for anybody to pick this up. And I loved the story of the first one. I love the cast. I love the world. Um, the world is so nuanced and it continues to grow with each entry in the series. Is And we're going to talk about that later, I think. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I really, really like it, obviously. I rated it pretty highly. Um, I actually rated it a little bit lower than I rated the first one because I reviewed that as well. Just because I think it doesn't do enough new stuff to really warrant such effervescent praise. But at the same time, um, the story payoff is so much better. There's so much more at stake. There's so much going on uh, that if you if you were drawn into the first one, then the second one is going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely still it, it has all the same stuff. You know, it's still rooted in these sort of uh, typical JRPG trappings with your characters that fall into archetypes, even though they subvert those archetypes sometimes and do. Yeah, they have surprising relationships. And I think everybody is written with a lot of heart. Um, but I mean, I think it's really, really good. But at the same time, as I was reviewing it, uh, I had been tweeting about it here and there. And I think that this is a game that I would have a lot of trouble recommending to everyone, even though mm. I scored it so highly. I, I mean, I scored it highly from the perspective of somebody who likes these kinds of games, which I think is the only way I can really do it. Um, and I made sure to to include the caveat that this isn't going to be for everybody. If you're tired of turn-based battles, if you're tired of games that have a slow buildup, um, then it's just not going to be your kind of game, period. Yeah, and reviews are such a personal thing. Uh, I was super excited when I saw all of the reviews being so positive. Um, I think the story in the first game is wonderful. It's it's a lot of, for me personally, it's a lot of the aspects surrounding it. The, the combat system, which originally I liked, after you play it for so many hours, I thought it got very stale. Um, and there's just kind of the, it's slow goings, I guess. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people enjoyed that. At some point, I was like, I'm enjoying the story so much, I just want to get to the next story part. And I think Davey classically said during uh, our first uh, series of Retro Encounter that he thought that Trails in the Sky would have almost served better as a graphical novel because the story was so superb. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like the battle system, the only thing about it, and I've been thinking about it because you guys are... oh. Uh, doing uh something soon for retro encounter um 
a lot of games, you can just go into the options menu and you can either turn on like long or short animation or animation skip or whatever. And if you could do something like that in Trails in the Sky, I would not have so much uh, bad blood for the combat. Oh, yeah. I think that's a really good idea. And it's it's something that I think they could incorporate into... I don't know if there's anything like that, actually, in Trails of Cold Steel, but that's a really good idea because, I mean, in, in particular, uh, in Trails in the Sky's second chapter towards the end of the game, um, the boss battles just kind of get longer and longer. And there were yeah. some that, I mean, I, I was looking at, I remember looking at the clock when I started one and uh, having battles, some bosses take me like 40 plus minutes, like 40, yep. 60 minutes. And it's like, that's not because it was so intense. It was just because the animations take so long. And some yeah. of the bosses have like six enemies and you have four people and everybody has to move, do a casting animation, cast a spell, what have you. So that definitely bogs it down. And I, I think that um, after what, 60 hours of that, 40 to 60 hours of that in the first game and then 60 plus hours of that in the second game, uh, I can see why it would kind of abuse your goodwill. And I was shocked to hear that it's it's almost twice as long as the first Trails. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I'd put it at like maybe 1.5 to 1.75 times the length. I wouldn't, I, not twice as long, but it's definitely longer. <laughs> Thank you for being exact. We hey, appreciate well, that. I'm not going to make any sweeping generalizations here. Okay? I'm all about the sweeping generalizations, so we'll leave that to me, I guess. Well, it's got twice as many chapters, and it took right. me twice as long to beat. I'll say that. Mm, okay. Fair but I, I also did a lot that I don't know if I did as much in the first Trails of game. So, yeah, I. I guess talking about differentiation, it sounds like there is some side quests or more side quests in this yeah, game. Yeah, there's more for sure. I, I know in the, your review you had mentioned uh, the cat language and having to do almost like fetchy type quests to be able to find, like decipher the language. Yeah, there's not an additional cat language thing in the second game, but if in the first one, if you got those books and you remember what the cat language things were, every time you see that cat Antoine, he'll say something and he shows up in random places. Um, there's, there was a cat not, in the first game. Yeah, there's just it's just yeah, some minor cat factory. named Antoine in the factory. Yeah, I he, he's not, not a minor cat. He's an important cat. <laughs> he's the most important cat. You're right. Yeah, recurring cat. He's a I'm gonna cat. I'm gonna argue with that because I don't remember this cat existing. I think that's so. actually a sort of a, a particular feature of this series, though, is that there are so many minor characters that you can kind of you can sort of take or leave them, mm-hmm. um, and depending on how invested you get into exploring the not just the main story but like exploring the world and the people and the relationships that make up that world um you can you can kind of follow these sm- uh, minor npcs like i mentioned in the review also um in the first game if you remember there's a side quest there's a factory worker named Faye, and uh there's a guard at one of the fortresses that's like oh i i like this girl would you deliver a letter to her also here's some extra money like pick up a gift for her in the city or something and if you get the right gift for her, then she uh, accepts it, and then the two actually start dating. And then that same factory worker, Faye, shows up repeatedly throughout the second game. Not, like, in any huge way, but whenever they were, they were doing something involving, um, like, orbit technology, uh, she was usually assisting Professor Russell or whatever. So it was just like, oh, there's that random NPC whose name I just happen to remember. So it's just, it's cool. That kind of thing isn't in many games, but... Uh, so you could notice if you cared or if you pay attention, I guess you would notice Antoine the cat appearing repeatedly. Yeah, it reminds I, me. Sorry, it reminds me a little bit of the affinity chart in Xenoblade. The way every NPC has a name and a personality and tasks that they do every day. Yeah, it's more or less like that's 
that's what's happening just without a chart to map it all. Right. Yeah. And, and going back to what you're saying about, I think that's effective world building. Um, yeah. I, I think what's great about video games is you can have, I can have a personal experience and then I come to talk to you about it and you can have a completely different experience. I think when a developer makes a world that there is things to do that you might not find or completely ancillary, I think that's wonderful because you want to be able to have these nooks and crannies that you have to search for to experience different things. Mm-hmm. And you want to be rewarding to those players that do choose to uh, seek that out. Yeah, I agree with that. You always want to feel like there's something more there than what you actually saw. Like there was there was actually more for me to experience hidden in there. It's the kind of thing that uh, reminds me of being a kid and playing RPGs on Super Nintendo and uh, exchanging stories with friends like, oh, did you know that in Chrono Trigger, if you put the sunstone in this place, you can go back. Yeah. And you know, it's like that's a good one. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that um, I mean, Trails doesn't have quite that level of uh, the side quests are are a little bit more straightforward i think in trails mm-hmm. there's there are some hidden ones here and there where it's like if you go to the right place at the right time you get a side quest but none of them affect um the game structure in such a sweeping way as like the chrono trigger sunstone thing but it's yeah. it's very much still like the the idea that there are things in this world that the main characters you're playing as aren't necessarily going to come across unless you seek them out and they don't they don't contribute to the overall plot, but they make this world a little bit livelier, a little bit more realistic or, or a little bit more alive, I guess I should say. Well, even like those generic quests to go kill a monster in specific territories make, it feels really rooted in the reality of that world. You know, I like, would agree, yeah, this, yeah. this is my job as a bracer. Like I have to go kill a big mean monster. And no one else is going to do it. You know, like it feels really one to one with a player almost. Yeah. And I, I would say that. I agree with that. And I think that those can still be kind of a a bummer. Like, I don't think there's anything inherently super fun about like, go kill X monster. But at least it's in this case, it's a single monster in a specific place. It's not like you have to go through random encounters. Um, Mm -hmm. And like you said, it does sort of fit in with the the theme of I'm a bracer. I have to extinguish or exterminate monsters that are probably in the countryside. But I mean, like, I guess I keep I, I don't want to sound like I'm going back and forth on it, but I'm just trying to kind of separate that like pull it apart from the fact that yes it works well thematically and yes it can be interesting if you want to continue to linger in this world but it's also not just like i'm not saying that's amazing quest design that's super fun and revolutionary it's <laughs> well just... one thing is i think at the time when, when this game was originally developed it maybe was like it's easy to remember or it's easy to forget living in america that like or europe that like these games are really really old at this point like more than a decade yeah 2004, I think. I'm looking it up right now. It's about, it's about. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. Yep. 2006, March 9th. Yeah. So I think for that era, the that quest design was probably pretty far ahead. Yeah, that was the one of the confusing things for this. I remember when we played the first Trails in the Sky. Um, is there? There's an incongruency with the release dates. Mm -hmm. So you, you typically look at that and you're like there's a snapshot in your mind of this is where the industry was at this time. And it, it's hard to kind of line those up. Yeah, it is. Um, and because there is certain things it's like, Oh yeah, I can see where this is a newer game. There's, there's mechanics that I, I do think is in line with either a callback to the past or just like, yeah, it's fine right now. Mm-hmm. But there's other elements is like, this is, yeah, this is a mid two thousands game. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it always caught like me off guard with that. Mentions. 
Yeah, yeah I, I think uh, this came out before um, objective markers were really a thing in terms of locating quest objectives in game worlds. Um, so sure. that you just yeah. have your bracer notebook, which is also thematically consistent because it's like Estelle yeah. has to write down her jobs in the notebook and keep track of it. And that's how you keep track of your quests. Um, but you don't get a convenient map marker to tell you where to go. Certainly a lot of JRPGs of that era had a problem with quest logs. That's that trail stands out by having such a robust, a robust and uh, detailed log of everything that you're doing and where you should be going. Yeah, it's even got flavor text. In it. I was going to say that. Yeah, it's it's not just we must go to place A and do objective B. It's like Estelle writes kind of in her own voice, which I think mm-hmm. makes it more fun to read. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's uh, beyond even the story, I think, where the game excels, at least the first game. And I, I have a question coming up with this, but was with Estelle and Joshua. So with that, is Joshua in the game? We're going to stay away from spoilers, <laughs> but I need to know. Yeah, he's definitely yeah. in the game. Do you like is he part of your party, though? Yeah, but he doesn't join until pretty late. OK, not I was like, like not like really late, but I mean, in terms of. The trail, you know, it's a really long game, so uh, he probably doesn't join your party until like thirty to forty hours in. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like the last third or quarter ish. Yeah, it's, yeah, that sounds okay. Good. Yeah, so I know everybody always is like they love Estelle. And I, I like Estelle. I always like Joshua more, and it's not because we say, share the same name. I just I liked him a little bit more. <laughs> um, and so the idea of going to a game when he was he like co-starred in a lot of ways in the game. Yes. Um, and for the idea of like, well, how the ending is, there's a decent chance you could be looking for him the entire game and not find him until the last couple minutes. Yeah. yeah. So you do so, find him and he does. There is a good dynamic between them because um, I was actually reading some other article that somebody wrote about it. It wasn't a review, but they were just talking about how um, in some ways it kind of feels like Trail Second Chapter, um, like Estelle is struggling to find her own two feet because she's so used to having Joshua as a compliment um, mm-hmm. that she does things kind of awkwardly and it's, it's almost frustrating to watch her struggling. Um, <laughs> but by the time she finds Joshua again, she has really matured a lot. And he's yeah. like, he's like, you're almost a different person now in a good way. Hmm. Uh, and I think that's really impressive because there's no, this, this, I think I am kind of copying from somebody else. Cause I, I don't remember where I read it, but um, with Estelle's character growth, there's no transformative moment. There's no single point that you can really point to. There's mm-hmm. like one kind of, I guess, but there's for the most part, it's like her growth is so gradual that you don't really think of it as like, well, now that Estelle got the magic bow staff of legend, now she's on Joshua's <laughs> yeah. level. It's like she's it's more like of... it's like when you have a house plant and one day you just realize it was really big all of a sudden. Like it's been growing that whole time. <laughs> you just couldn't perceive it because it was so slow. I love out of everything you compare to is the house plant. <laughs> you know, I like plants, Josh Curry. Uh, or Estelle. Yeah. She's just a house plant. <laughs> She's a majestic fern. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. It's like a dirty turn. No, I really think Estelle Bright is like maybe one of the one of the most nuanced characters in video games, like full stop. Like, I don't get how you like Joshua more because he's kind of one note, in my opinion. Like, he doesn't change a lot over the course of the two games. Like, he stays Joshua. And uh, the plot... so... Go ahead. All right. I absolutely agree on dynamics of a character, Estelle, and I, I, I'd be very interested to see how she changes in the second chapter, because um, that that's fascinating. Most ga- almost no game can actually pull that off where they, you see actual growth. Mm. Um, 
It's usually cut your hair off. You're a new person. Right? Yeah. yeah there's yeah. That. Or you had a dream in the middle of the night. It was like, all right, well, let's do this. Or you blew but up a Joshua. <laughs> yeah. Joshua responded in situations similar to how I felt I would have. Okay. And then definitely at the beginning of the uh, first chapter, Estelle was so immature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That she came across only for a comedic effect. And so it was kind of one of those like, yeah, this is cute. Yeah, we get it. You're, 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 you're cool. Yeah, okay. But I wanted her to do, I wanted to see that growth starting in the last game. Because it's like, your dad's gone. I was convinced her dad was evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and like, they're, they're going through all this and they're like, for her, it was just like, hey, this is a cool weekend trip. Like, we're going to have a good time. We're going to roast some s'mores. And it was never realized, like, there's people trying to kill you. There is a huge plot. Like you yeah. were like, and she never seemed to, it never phased her, which is a testament to her character in some regards, but also it's like real life is happening and you need to respond accordingly. And I never felt like that. Whereas Joshua, yeah, he was kind of, kind of a stick in the mud, but at the same time, he understood the seriousness of the situation. Mm. Well, I feel like that's one of the things about Estelle. She's always had either Cassius or Joshua in her life to kind of shield her from some of the worst things that she'd be confronted with. And that's kind of like the base for a character even before the story starts. And like you want, you know, so much about Estelle by the end of the second chapter, like from her childhood that doesn't even occur in the game all the way up until the end. Like, I feel like I know her as a person at this point. See, and that that sounds great. And that's where I agree with that Estelle is so fascinating in with the caveat that she has that growth. Yeah. Um, and that's where I can understand where people really, really enjoy that. But like, since I haven't played the second game, my memories are centered on her just like cracking jokes and yeah. burning food when she shouldn't have been able to. And so I feel like I feel like in f- the fourth chapter of first chapter, she she started to get a little more mature, but she, she has some growth. She has the occasional existential crisis over her yeah. um, across the journey in the uh, first chapter. And she's kind of finding herself kind of finding herself as a girl and in the second chapter she's kind of finding herself as a woman yeah because uh like i said when she finally reunites with joshua because she does spoilers i guess i mean i think it should be obvious um which when she does like i said he remarks that she's basically you know she's grown up she's not the same estelle that he left at the end of the first game um and that says a lot about because their dynamic changes at that point too no longer is it joshua protecting Estelle from everything and kind of picking up her slack, but it's like they fight on equal terms. They're it's a, oh, part, it's a partnership. Yeah. Awesome thing they did gameplay wise is like early on in the game, you get to fight like a boss fight as Joshua and he's like level 70, 75 and yeah. you're like level 30 or 40 as Estelle at that point. By the time you meet up with Joshua, you're the same level as him. And like, huh. you're having this character moment where like, now we're going to stand side by side now. Like we're on the same level and you're like literally the same level in terms of gameplay at that point. Mm-hmm. That's a good. That nice. Yeah. So I, talking about additions, I, I know you had mentioned that there was a combo system that was added, um, which makes me very uh-huh. excited because I think oh. at some point the battles, we just became very just, all right, I'm just going to slog through this. And so the idea of a combo system sounds fascinating, but it sounded like you weren't very high on it it's mm. it's basically nothing to be honest yeah. <laughs> like yeah. uh, because when i hear combo system i immediately think again i don't know why chrono trigger is the game of the day to refer back <laughs> to but i think oh shit chrono trigger uh i can i can have my characters do all these attacks in unique ways that complement one each other's actual personalities and strengths and da da. but no in trails it's just uh 
combo two, combo three, combo four, and it just makes two, three, or four characters attack together at the same time. <laughs> together at the same time, that's not redundant. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't, it just doesn't do anything. Like, everybody has a tiny quip. They'll say, ha, yeah, let's go. And but uh, it covers an area, and the later they are in the attack sequence, the more damage they do. That's like the just, whole thing. <laughs> yeah, oh. that's it, really. Um, and I, I tried using it from time to time, but it, it uses everybody's turn, basically. Yeah, moves them all down in turn order. So, oh, so that'd be terrible then. Yeah, because if you had a lot of enemies that you were fighting, it was kind of it was it's kind of a gamble. It's like if I can kill all of these enemies with the one combo attack, then they can't get to me. But if I fail at that, then I'm going to get swarmed and possibly die, or just like mm -hmm. sit through several minutes of animations. Oh my god, <laughs> enemy turns. Yeah, you know what is useful? Weaponized cooking. Mm hmm. Oh yeah, that's true. Throwing the biscuits and stuff. Yeah, I I didn't expect it to work that way. I thought it was going to give you a strength boost, but uh, imagine my surprise to see Estelle hurling hurling cookies at a shrimp. Yeah. Wait, seriously? Yeah. 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 Explosive. I thought I thought you were joking at first. No, throwing the biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> Meatballs as well. Yeah. Meatballs, you breathe fire. <laughs> yeah. All right, you might have just sold the game for me. <laughs> Surprisingly effective too. I mean, I, I stopped yeah. using it later in the game, but um. Early on, really especially, young, it's but, like, yeah. whoa, that is a ton of damage. Plus, it's just kind of funny. Yeah. That's hilarious. I'm not joking that that might have actually sold the game for me. <laughs> no, it's pretty good. Is, isn't there one called Surprise Cookie? Yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah. funny name for an attack Surprise. right now. <laughs> yeah. So, I so guess... Go, go ahead, ahead. Davey. I was just going to ask what you guys think of the fact that they split this game into two parts, and See? if it benefits it or not. I knew you were on the same page as me. I was going to say the same thing. Um, it With how you're talking, it doesn't seem like... None of you are kind of saying like this is a revolutionary game. You usually think of sequels and there's this massive change. There's huge improvements. Yeah. And it almost feels like it's two parts of the same thing. That it could have been one ginormous game. And it, possibly to its detriment, was... I think... So. Um, go ahead. Oh, um, I think that they are thematically separate enough to warrant being split into two games but it's also like i don't know it's like you said they this really it could just be one massive game but i think that 100 hour plus game i'm looking at you dragon quest 7 would be absolutely <laughs> exhausting you know like it gets to a point where you're just like i'm done and i think having a clean break um, it was a good place to have a break even if it wasn't agonizing cliffhanger um, mm. and i think that there's enough because it really is, it's two halves of the plot. The the first game is definitely, it, it concludes that arc. It's like, okay, we've uncovered that Ouroboros is a thing. And they're going to yeah. they're gonna be the antagonists in the second half. Um, I feel like, because I know, I've seen a lot of people complain that it reuses a lot of environments. But I have this weird disconnect that because it's a new game, I expect to revisit those environments. Like, that's one of the things I wanted from it. If that had been in the same game, it would have felt cheap to me. But it's kind of like Final Fantasy X and X-2. Like in X-2, I wanted to go back to those places and see what had changed. Like that's part of what I wanted from the game. And I wanted that too. Um, but I find that in, in second chapter, when you do that the third time, then it becomes a problem. Because yeah. every, every, every place that I revisited in second chapter, I was fine with up until it got to the point where it was like, all right, now we need to go on a tour around the kingdom on foot and check all yeah. those places again. And I was like, what, really? So yeah. Just go do a lap around the country. No big deal. Yeah, up until up until that point, I was okay with it because in in that 
in that way, every time you do see a new place, it's, I think, extra exciting for some reason. It's like, all right, mm-hmm. so I'm used to this setting. Like, the stage, this is the stage that I'm accustomed to. And now I'm in this incredibly new, like, these these new caverns or this new thing. And it's like, it's a part of Libero that I haven't explored yet. And that that's exciting. It's like, there's more to this land that I am already very intimately familiar with. Yeah, even that island in the prologue. <laughs> yeah, like a, that was cool. cool. Yeah. And to kind of disagree with you, Davey, um, correct me if I'm mistaken, but this game takes place immediately after the first chapter. Uh, it of starts off, yeah, it starts off oh. immediately, but then there's like a like a break because Estelle goes training. Okay. So it's like a couple months, like three or four months. I think it's two months. Okay. So I was uh, say the benefit of repeating the same environment, seeing the same characters, seeing where they are, usually is you have a couple years difference, so there actually can be change. Whereas if it is almost immediately afterwards, you kind of, that effect is diminished because they're in the same place when you talked to them a week ago. Well, oh. I had a couple years. <laughs> so yeah. I wanted to see them again. Um, and even monarch- in Japan, I think it was like 18 months between one and two. Mm-hmm. What were you saying, Robert? Well, I mean, there there are big changes that have affected the world. The monarchy has been restored. Um, as, mm-hmm. as, as you know, uh, the uh, mayor of Rulan, his downfall, they're currently uh, trying to elect a new mayor. Uh, and um, you'll, you'll, that whole town has election madness. Yeah. Uh, and it's, so you, you, there are, there are enough changes, I feel. Even um, just knowing all the important people in all of those places, like you want to go check up on them and see what's happening. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I think it was a cool perspective. I think so too. I think for me, I think it retreaded too much. But um, yeah, I'd up until up until a certain mm. limit, I was okay with it. I think that makes uh, the prospect of Cold Steel and future games in the series even more exciting, though, because I I get to kind of enjoy a similar narrative structure of sorts in a different world with different characters and stuff. So, what if there's an ambassador from Liberal and you know who it is? That would be super cool because yeah. that's something the series would do. Yeah. So you brought up Cold Steel, which I was gonna. This may be part of our uh, closing discussion, but I, I want to bring this up. It was recently announced. It's coming out December 22nd, mm-hmm. which crazy that's coming out so quickly after we waited so long for everything else. Do you think there is a chance that part of the reason everybody is so excited about second chapter is that we had to wait so long for it? Do you think there's a chance that Cold Steel will overall be regarded as not as good because with the wait between the games is so much shorter this time? So I don't know if the wait will affect the game's reception, but I think that I think it's possible that people are going to look at this and, um, I don't know, expect more of it. I think I, I wonder if Trails, just because it is a decade old game, um, it caters to something of a more niche audience. It's it's it has a more targeted demographic, perhaps, uh, than mm-hmm. Cold Steel. And I think when people look at it, they may be expecting more modern RPG design. And I think they're going to get something that's still pretty similar. Uh, I I don't know enough about the game to say, like, Oh, all of these various gameplay systems have or haven't been overhauled because I don't know. But uh, I think it being on on PS3 and not being a port of a 10 year old PC game may negatively impact some people's reception of it. Like, I I don't think it's going to do poorly amongst people who like the series. Like, I think people who like the series are going to eat it up. And I could Mm. see it bringing on a new kind of generation of fans of the series because it does have a little bit more of a contemporary anime look to it. Which for some is a turnoff, for some it's not. For me, I actually think it's, I actually kind of prefer the uh, 
the Trails in the Sky type art style over this, because this one is a little bit more like, it's bright and it's colorful, but it's uh, a little moe. Yeah, it's it's uh, some of the, the character designs are a little moe. I would agree with that. I think it just it's a little bit less brimming with personality, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the weight will be a big thing. I think that the first second chapter, um, the weight kind of it added fuel to the fire of people's anticipation. I think that made people people's hype grew and grew and grew as the wait got longer and longer. Yeah. Um, and that may be why some people have received it so well. Yeah. But it, it's one of those things that when you have that huge anticipation, it can go two ways. Either it can be disastrous for the game because there's no way you can live up to that hype. Yeah. Or there's just a sense of relief that you finally have it, that you're able to kind of brush over things. And yeah. so I, I'd be very interested to see kind of the difference in the first week or two opinion between the two games. Yeah. Because there can't be much more of a difference between how these are being released. Well, yeah. no, it's kind of interesting in a way. What I had no interest in Cold Steel until I played second chapter. And then I was like, I guess there is still stuff I want to do in this world. So I have to imagine that Goodwill's, like Derek said, that Goodwill's going to carry over with the fans. I don't right. think, I don't think, uh, I also don't think it's going to bring anyone like pulling any new fans, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I absolutely think it was ingenious of them. I, I the the hype for this game and the series has never been higher. The goodwill that is surrounding it is fantastic. Yeah, people are going to eat that up come December twenty second, I and mean, nobody releases a game at that time. Is it that I, soon? I, I think they're still going to be okay. Like everybody's going to go out and buy it. Yeah, it's it's extremely soon. Wow, I'm not going to be done with Xenoblade by then. Oh god, me neither. Thank god. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good yeah. problem to have. So yeah. since we, we are talking about Cold Steel, what would everybody want in the next sequel? From Cold Steel or from a game after from, Cold Steel? From Cold Steel. Mm. It's hard to say. When going into second chapter, I did not care about anything besides the Joshua Estelle story. And I was like, I had already kind of written off the rest of the series. Like, yeah, it was okay. I didn't love the combat. Um, but the world building eventually pulled me in. I don't, I don't know if they have to do anything else besides like build another country the way they so built Liberal. You'd want more of the same of what they do already well. If they did combat animation skip, I would be one hundred percent all in. I I know uh, that. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, please. Uh, I know that the I was going to say I want more good music and I know that's going to happen because I've heard the soundtrack. It's awesome. I I think I, I out of this one, I need more gameplay innovation. I need more subsystems. I mean, not not to the point that it's needlessly complex, but uh, I know that it has some stuff like you can do link attacks with people. And I know that there is a sort of persona esque social link esque system where you can spend time with people, uh, level up your relationships with them, and then it affects how they perform in battle. I don't know how in-depth that is, um, right. but I think that's that's what I'm looking for out of this game. I, I like I'm already super invested in the world, period. I'm I'm there. I'm good. Um, and I want to see more people in this world and I want to see how it connects to uh, Trills in the Sky. Um, but as far as what I want as like a, a, a game player, you know, from a game player perspective, I, I want more more nuance in combat and in character development. Hmm. You were saying, Robert, I, uh, <laughs> I am interested. But oh, that cat! Um, I'm interested, but I am cautiously optimistic because, um, as you said, Derek, it from what I understand, it's got like a, a Persona Three and Four style of social link system. 
I don't know if that's something that I'd want from a Trails game. Uh, one of the things that I like so much about Trails in the Sky, it's a little bit like uh, being a tourist on vacation in a foreign country. So you're seeing, mm -hmm. you're taking it easy and you're seeing everything that this place has to offer. And from what I read about Cold Steel, it follows more of a, a Latter-day Persona format or like Valkyria Chronicles 2, where you are in a, in a school setting and you are following a calendar and spending most of your time on campus and then being dis dispatched to do the occasional mission, always right. returning to campus. Mm, yes. And I would much rather have a tour around Erebonia or like like the uh, other series, um, Trails of Zero and Trails in the Blue, where I, I think it's like the same format as Trails in the Sky, but you're in yeah. the country of Crossbell. I'm more interested in that kind of thing. Mm. So I still want to see what Cold Steel has to offer, but I'm not too sure how I feel about the format. Yeah, you actually kind of just turned me off with that. Well, it doesn't mean <laughs> that it has to be that school-based social linking format. I mean, you look at something like Fire Emblem, there's still that... a social link there. Oh, that's yeah. Not... No, that, that's not the part that turns me off. The part that turns me off is the idea that you're like connected Always. to the central hub all the time. Like, that's totally not... That's the opposite of what Trails Hub does. I've followed too many JRPG school years. I don't need to do any more, and... Like, I feel like Falcom have always stood apart from the pack, and I don't think they need to ape Persona or Atlas. They've, they've always done their own thing. I do I do fun. agree with you on that, but I also think that for that very reason, they're capable of pulling this off um, in, in a way that will be compelling, because I, too, don't necessarily want to see, like, another really centralized, like, school-centric RPG. Um, Persona really innovated on that front with Persona 3 particularly, and then it feels like more games are kind of um, leaning in that direction. Like I've, I've, we've seen a lot of RPGs come out that have some kind of character bonding system. Type um, zero. Yeah. Oh, uh, type zero. I'm, I'm not a fan of type zero. Yeah, me either. Yeah, I can't. I couldn't get it through it. <laughs> yeah, in a, I, I beat it, but I wasn't happy about it. <laughs> uh, the Glow had it. A, a lot of RPGs have it. Yeah, so I think if if you uh, if you guys look at the official website, because they put out a website for Trails of Cold Steel, it's just trailsofcoldsteel.com, um, there's a section under the After School Activities tab that shows kind of some screens of what the bonding looks like. And I'm looking at the character notebook. It looks like their class notebook or whatever. Um, and I see a lot of personality in the way that it's laid out. Like the, I don't know, it, it reminds me a lot of Estelle's Bracer notebook. And I think that... Falcom is so good at um, paying attention to the small detail in character building and world building that uh, this kind of thing could actually be a successful format to make a really endearing cast of characters that have tightly woven relationships that I'm interested in getting to know more of. It's just, I, I guess more than anything, what I'm trying to say is um, Falcom have proven themselves to me repeatedly that they, they make the kind of game that I like. And I don't think that they're the kind of games that everybody is going to like, for sure. But they have a really particular approach to RPG design that resonates with me. And I, so I, that's why I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. I am really attracted to the idea of interacting with your playable characters more. I, I kind of wish you could do that in Trails in the Sky. I wish when you went back to the Brazer headquarters, you'd get more than just a couple lines of dialogue from your buddies. Yeah. 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 I couldn't agree any more with that, Davey. Oh. Hey, how's it going everyone? Marcos here, Wild Armor on the boards. Just cutting in for a moment to let you know that there were some technical difficulties while recording this podcast, so we apologize for any inconvenience and hope that you enjoy the rest of the episode. 
Thanks for being super duper listeners and awesome fans. I leave you now, handing it off to the venerable Josh Curry. Adios. And we're back. A little bit of technical difficulties, but it's all good. Uh, we kind of covered everything we wanted to generalize about Trail's second chapter. So I, I, important question for me. We talked about Cold Steel. There is going to be a new cast of characters. I want to know, since I'm still debating on the fence whether I want to play this, will I get the necessary closure resolution if I finish second chapter for Estelle, Joshua, characters that I've come to know? Yes, most definitely. Ab- absolutely, yeah. Uh... Uh, the the character you don't get uh, resolution for is Kevin, Father Kevin, who's a priest mm-hmm. that joins pretty early. Um, he's He actually comes and goes uh, in the party throughout the game and uh, joins you permanently fairly late on. But uh, he's the main character of Trills uh, in the Sky the Third. Oh. So um, he it's uh, Trails in the Sky Third is all about him and um, a priestess in the church that he's a father in. Um, and it's all about their adventures to do things that are connected to the narrative in a uh, second chapter. But as far as Estelle and Joshua, yes, their story concludes in the okay. second game. Because uh, we, we already just talked about how great it is that, hey, Cold Steel's coming out right away. We don't have this huge wait. But it would really suck if I don't get the resolution I want and I have to wait another four years to be able to play the next story in their exactly. kind of chapter. And the, so, uh, the cool thing is if we do ever get uh, Trails in the Sky 3rd and zero and uh azure or whatever they're calling trails to azure i think was the sort of unofficial name for it trails to blue whatever i don't know kiseki yeah uh if we do get those i know that estelle and joshua make cameos so it's like they're not they're not gone from this world they're still important players just on another stage but yeah you'll get the resolution to their stories in this for sure okay if anything i feel like it resolved too nicely like when i finished this game i felt like i was just kind of done like i didn't have that something pulling me back like i did after first chapter well it's because first chapter ends on like the biggest cliffhanger yeah Yeah, that that was extreme but i don't know it wrapped up like super nicely um there are so many moments though like it kind of reminds me of like Mass Effect 3, the ending, really bummed me out. But I had so many super emotional moments building up to that that like I was just completely satisfied. Yeah, I think in, in a sense it maybe wrapped up so neatly that it's, I don't know, anticlimactic? Uh, yeah. It's like, okay, I, I mean, everything... I guess I would rather have a neat-ish... I'd rather verge neat than messy when it comes to endings. I like some ambiguity... But I think there is some ambiguity in this because you know that these characters are going to go on to do other things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't. There's still lots of important villains, too. Yeah. yeah. We actually talked about this last time on uh, the Parasite Eve podcast and how a horror game, what's or just horror in general, what's amazing about it is your imagination. The reason it's scary is because you come up with these terrifying things in your mind. I think it kind of holds true for all storytelling what is great is always those secrets and those mysteries and the, it's yeah. you seeking those out and whatever you can come up with or hope for, for a future for somebody or for a group is always better than actually having that concrete ending. Mm-hmm. Cause there's always going to be somebody that feels cheated or slighted, or it's just not what they had hoped it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I can, I can get what you're saying where there's, there's too much closure. Yeah. And that's... Although when Derek brought up that Kevin is like an important character in third chapter that actually got me pretty excited. He's a really interesting character and I yeah, forgot. He's the main character. In third I chapter. Forget. That's 
awesome. I forgot that things don't wrap up with him. I would, I kind of wanted some more Kevin, so that's good news. Yeah, well, in the near the end of second chapter, you get a, a pretty revelatory moment with Kevin that's like, what? Mm-hmm. And that that's your bridge to third, um, because awesome. his, his story continues, but the other I, doesn't. I really like that direction. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear that because you know I, I haven't uh, progressed too far yet, but uh, so far Kevin hasn't really grabbed me. I thought he was. Um, a little bit of an Olivier, but with wor- with worse hair. Yeah, he does kind of have terrible hair, doesn't he? Like, yeah. Like, what's going on with that, that spike in the front, that weird... To, to be fair, Olivier is pretty bad hair. <laughs> well, I mean, at least it looks like hair a real human being could have. I'll give you that. Because <laughs> Kevin's is like, like somebody dyed a porcupine green and stuck its ass on his head. Like, yeah, it looks like got an a, RPG maker character. Yeah. He's got a wrong colored cloud strafer wig. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I think Kevin's all right. By by the end of the game, I was I was cool with him and wanted to know more. So that's that's yeah. good. They, they got their hooks in me there. It's a shame that we won't see that for a really long time if we do at all. I, I I just felt like at the beginning they really I felt like they paired him as like the opposite of um, Weissman, who I thought was like the most interesting villain, and uh, I just. Like I wanted to really deep dive into it. Um, you do kind of get some hit stuff between him and Weissman towards the end, though, and that yeah. was really satisfying. Yeah, man, I don't think there was enough Weissman. I don't. I really wanted oh, him to do something. Not. I really wanted him to do something just horrible. And I guess there's some stuff, but not he on makes, the level of first chapter. He makes such an entrance in first chapter. He's really the oh, only real villain in that game. That, and that his like superpower or whatever you want to call it is so interesting. Mysterious. Yes. I guess to sum it up though, it sounds like everybody's very positive. Highly yeah. recommend it. To yeah. Definitely people that enjoyed the first game, but people that enjoy traditional. Exactly. Very positive with that caveat. I would okay. go so far as to say playing the second one makes the first one feel much better. You're just trying to get me to play it, Davey. I know you are. I don't I don't want you to play it because it's super long and I'm going to have to listen to you complain at some point. But it, it's got a big bar of entry, which is you can't really get anything out of the story unless you've completed uh, first yeah. chapter. Yeah. And Josh, you passed that bar. Yay. Yeah. I, I dragged myself through that. <laughs> so awesome. Well, that's great. It sounds like it's, it's a really good game. It, it, in all fairness, this conversation has made me much more excited about the series as a whole. Uh, it sounds, with the exception of some of the combat things, it sounds like it improved where I actually care for it to improve. Mm-hmm. It knows its strengths. Mm-hmm. So it, it, now it is officially, I will admit, it is on my list of things that at some point I'd like to get to. <laughs> wow, I, I didn't think that would happen. I'm so happy you, for you. I'm, I'm sure you're ecstatic right now, yeah. Maybe awesome. when you I'll have take a child bow. and a portable... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys go. you guys were successful. Good job. But that's going to do it for this uh this episode of uh bonus round. Uh we're really happy you guys got to join us for this. Um as always, you can send your emails to retro at rpgfan.com. Please go on those boards or go on iTunes or any of your listening venues that you listen to podcasts on. Send us your thoughts, send us your requests, do your reviews on iTunes. It's huge for us getting uh, noticed by more people. I know we always say go to Twitter, send us a message. This episode is actually the whole reason I thought of doing this is because of uh, Liam Tasker. He 
contacted me on Twitter and was like, you guys should do this. And I, I was like, you're crazy. It just came out a week ago. And so it was kind of the conversation with him that was like, oh, yeah, this is actually in our realm. We can have this conversation. Yeah. And then I played it in a week. Yeah. So yeah. please do send your thoughts and we do honestly listen. Uh, it does drive a lot of the direction of the show. Thank you for listening. Love you. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me too, guys. It was a pleasure. <laughs>